Well, that was exciting. I am praying for that, excited for that. I'm also excited for teaching today because in this series on Revelation, if you're just joining us, we're, you know, we're, we're on the home stretch of, through this book of Revelation. There's been so many Sundays, I'm, I just leave exhausted, it's so heavy, so burdensome, and, and uh, my, my thought was like, what is people going to take away from this? My only thing was like, you don't want to go through this, you don't want to go through this. But today I am pretty stoked to talk about what we're going to talk about today um, in, in Revelation. Now, I'm going to throw on the screen six movies. I don't know if you've seen them all, but six movies, and they all have something in common, several things in common. Finest Hour, Harriet, Saving Private Ryan, 13 Hours, Lone Survivor, Greyhounds. So you're thinking, what do they all have in common? No, Tom Hanks is not in all of them, okay? And they're all not, all are not military, what they have in common is that they are all based on true stories, and in every single one of these movies and stories, it's an, you know, there's an incredible rescue against impossible odds. Incredible rescues against impossible odds. Last week we left, setting up for today, yeah, all the cities in the world have been destroyed, the last of the seven bowls of judgment, 100-pound hailstones and just pelts them, and, and there's this massive earthquake, and, and every city, including the, 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 the kind of the headquarters of the Antichrist, it's all, they are all destroyed except one city, and that's Jerusalem, pretty much mostly uh, unscathed throughout the, the tribulation. And, and we set it up last week, we finished that all the nations left on the earth have surrounded Jerusalem, and they know that not only they want to kill everybody there, but they're really, they're really angry at God himself and the Lamb, Jesus, and they, they want to fight against God and Jesus. So everything is set up. Jerusalem is completely surrounded. It appears hopeless, and an incredible rescue is going to happen. But, but let me set the scene and there's some important things we're going to talk about today. But uh, here's the scene if you're taking notes. is that finally, the end of the age, that's the age of the Gentiles. It started with the Babylonian kingdom all the way through today. And to the end of the tribulation, the end of the age has arrived. And Jesus makes a dramatic entrance. That's where we're at today. The, uh, just before Jesus returns, there is some, an important event Three we're going to talk about today, but the first one's before he comes back. Chapter 19, if you want to join me there, I'll read some verses and then explain. Chapter 19, verse 1. After this, that's after Babylon or the, the, whatever the city is, uh, the, uh, the Antichrist is destroyed, I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude uh, in heaven shouting. I mean, this is celebration. Hallelujah. Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for true and just are his judgments. He has condemned the great prostitute. That's all the world religion. We talked about that last week. Condemned all religion um, other than Jesus, who has corrupted the earth by her adulteries. He has avenged on her the blood of his servants. And again they shouted, hallelujah, the smoke from her goes up forever and ever. 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who was seated on the throne. And they cried, Amen, hallelujah. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God 
All you servants, you his servants, you fear him, both great and small. Then I heard the sound of a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, like loud peals of thunder shouting. I mean, this is so loud in heaven. They're shouting, hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. For fine, for fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Then the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. Meaning God told him to say, Blessed are you who are invited to the wedding of the Lamb. Here's the first pretty huge important event we see in chapter 19. It's the marriage of the Lamb that's taking place in heaven. The marriage of the Lamb. It's that, that symbolic union of God and his followers being united forever and ever and ever again. Never to be separated the marriage of the Lamb. So this is another reason why the second coming is separate than the rapture of the church. We talked about the rapture in, Jan in July. I think it's uh, July 25th, preparing for Christ's return. We talked about the rapture, if you can watch it online. But also refutes the claim that the church is raptured at the second coming. These are, those are two different events. Two different events. Now... And, and a lot of study, a lot of resources, and, and people even today are like, Pastor, you got to read this. This will help you with Revelation. I, I got so many resources, I don't know what to do with. Uh, but part of my research over the years has been understanding Jewish culture. And uh, a Jewish rabbi uh, that is now a believer, a messianic rabbi. And, he's, and, he's, he's, and I've said this before in different series, but you got to understand, and Jesus refers to a, a, a Jewish wedding. For I go to prepare a place for you, but I will come back for you. He is describing the ancient Jewish wedding. So let, let me break it down for you. Because God is a picture-giving God. The groom leaves the one he's going to marry. He leaves to go prepare a place for his, himself and his bride. But he goes to his father's house. That's why Jesus said, I'm leaving. What? Yeah, I'm leaving and I'm going to go and prepare a place for you, but when I come back, I'll take you there. He's referring to a Jewish wedding. So a groom leaves, prepares a place at his father's house. Sounds weird in our culture. And um, he's, going to, he's going to come back for his bride. Now, uh, the Jewish bride would need to be prepared and be planning. And, 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 and there's and scripture talks about in the New Testament that the believers, we have to be prepared for his return. It could happen any time. The rapture could happen at any moment. And this Jewish bride would be preparing. And then when the, the groom was done, when he was ready to come, he didn't come all the way to her home. He came close, and then she went out to meet him. There was a sound of the trumpet, and she went out to meet him. Then he took his bride back to his father's house where they would have a wedding ceremony. And then the ceremony, after that was done, the bride and the groom would come back to the bride's home. 
Jesus left. He's preparing a place. He's going to come back, shout of a trumpet. The church believers will meet him in the air. We'll go back to, to heaven, the finishing up of tribulation. And then there will be, right now, chapter 19, a wedding. Symbolic union of God and his followers. Huge celebration. Then they will come back to her home. Believer's home is this earth. This earth. Which picks us up in chapter 19. Look at verse 11. Verse 11. John said this. I saw heaven standing open. There before me was a white horse. Whose rider is called faithful and true. This is Jesus himself. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a white robe, dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses. That's his saints coming with him. And dressed in fine linen, white and clean, coming out of his mouth, is a sharp sword which to, with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And when I saw an angel standing in the sun who, Son who cried in a loud voice to all the birds flying in midair, come gather together for the great supper of God so that you may eat the flesh of kings and generals and, and the mighty of horses, uh, the, the mighty of horses and their riders and the flesh of all people, free and slave, great and small. And then I saw the beast, Santa Christ, and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to wage war against the rider on the horse and his army. But the beast was captured. And with it, the false prophet who had performed the signs on its behalf. And with these signs, he had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. The two of them were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. The rest were killed with the sword coming out of the mouth of the rider on the horse. And all the birds gorged themselves on their flesh. Now, this event... Second important event is Jesus returns to bring justice to his enemies. Now, you got to understand this. I, I, I don't like blood and guts and gore and all that sort of stuff. I hate those movies. Some of you like those, those movies. You need help. All right. Um, but seriously, oh, man, this is really, really gross. Now, you got, you got to understand, by this time, after all the judgments of God, There's a remnant of Gentile believers. They're hiding. There's a remnant of Jewish people who believe in that, that God has hid for the last three and a half years in Petra. We talked about that. But the rest of the people there are the wickedest of the wicked. They're the vilest of the vile. They have been worshiping Satan for three and a half years. So there's a massive contrast between the first coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus. The first coming, um, how many of you, does anybody have any Christmas lights up or Christmas decorations? Can I see your hands, all right? How many of you, it's okay, you can meet it, it's a good safe place. You have already 
been playing Christmas music, all right? Okay, I saw the hand. You just shot that up. You're like, yeah, that's right, brother. Preach it, all right? We're going to celebrate. The first coming is the birth of Jesus. Now, let me contrast. The first coming was in secret and solitude. No one knew. A little, little, little town, Bethlehem, in a dark cave, Jesus was born. The first coming, secret and solitude. The second coming, the whole earth is going to know. I'm going to talk about that. The whole earth is going to know. First coming, there was a slow and steady story. That he grew up, and then he was at the temple. His parents lost him you know, when, he was, when he was 12. And, and then he starts his ministry, and he's with the disciples, and he's putting up with these older teenagers and Peter, who was in his 20s. And, and, and it's like, oh, guys, you don't get it, you don't get it, you don't get it. It was a slow and steady story. The second coming, fast and furious story. Boom. Boom. The first coming, Jesus came to bring salvation. And forgiveness of mankind's sin. That's why he came. The second coming, he's bringing judgment and justice. Uh, verse 11, with justice he judges and wages war. He is so fed up with evil and wickedness. He's coming to destroy it. The first coming, Jesus was killed for the payment of your sin and mine. He willingly went to the cross to be that sacrificial lamb for the, for the sins of the world. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of our sins. Jesus came to sacrifice and be killed for our sin. The second coming, he's killing his enemies. He's killing his enemies. Now, in this passage of Revelation, it's just a summary of Armageddon. It's a summary of the second coming um, in the Old Testament, in Joel and uh, Ezekiel and Isaiah and Daniel and Zechariah, there is a lot of description of that day when Jesus comes back. And, and the whole the Valley of Megiddo, that's where we get the Armageddon from. Valley of Megiddo is filled with the nation's armies. There's also the Valley of Jezreel. That's right, right by the, the, the Mount of Olives. That's right outside the walls, the eastern walls of Jer Jerusalem. That whole valley is filled. Jerusalem is surrounded. Judea is surrounded with all these armies. It looks hopeless. Uh, the, the Old Testament is filled with all sorts of descriptions. And in the Old Testament, it, it kind of tells us who is surrounding Israel. Uh, and Armageddon in the valley of uh, um, Jehoshaphat, uh, there's four powers involved. It's the, the powers of the Antichrist, the re revived Roman Empire. I mean, he's in charge. Uh, that's that's who's, who's coming. Also, the northern confederation of, of, of nations, beginning with Russia and its allies. From the east, these large armies are coming from these, most likely China and Iran and all that. And then from the south, from Africa. And in the Old Testament, in Scripture, there is no power coming from the West. I find that very interesting. There is no power coming from the West. Israel has no allies. Zilch. They are completely surrounded. But in Zechariah, it talks about that day when the, the Messiah comes back. Zechariah says this, Then the Lord 
will go out and fight against those nations who have surrounded Israel. As, as he fights on the day of battle. On that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, east of Jerusalem. And on the Mount of Olives, the Mount of Olives will be split in two from east and west. Now, when Jesus... After he rose again and he hung around for, for a while and gave the great commission and told the disciples what to do. And then he was on the Mount of Olives and then he, he started ascending to heaven. And all of these disciples are like, what's going on? And he left in the clouds and they were, just, they were just struck with confusion. And then the angel showed up and goes, hey, fellas, the same Jesus who left just like this will come back just as he left. So because Jesus left from the Mount of Olives, that prophecy is fulfilled in the second coming. He comes and he physically lands. And when his feet touches the Mount of Olives, there is this massive earthquake. And other things happen. Now, 2012 had the honor to go to Israel. And I was, able to be, I was invited to, to, to give a devotional in the Garden of Gethsemane in the Mount of Olives, just east of the Eastern Gate. And while I'm teaching, right behind my shoulder is the Eastern Gate, right? On the other side, you know, is, you know, is the Dome of the Rock. Now, that isn't the, the actual gate when Jesus was there. That's been, it's been rebuilt uh, during the Ottoman Empire. But Muslims, when they heard Jewish tradition talking about the Jewish Messiah, when he comes back, he's going to walk through the Eastern Gate. You know what they did? They thought, well, we're going to stop him. So they sealed up the, the gates uh, of the eastern gate, and then they purposely put a cemetery in front of the eastern gate. Because in their minds, they're like, a, a Jewish Messiah will not defile himself to walk through there. So when I was teaching there with the Mount of Olives, I'm like, man has always tried to stop God. But when Jesus comes back and his feet hit the ground on the Mount of Olives, there's this massive Massive earthquake and no, you know, cinder blocks is going to stop Jesus. And no grave site will block Jesus. It is, it is gone. It is gone. Go back to Zechariah, verse 7. It says, it will be a unique day. A day known only to the Lord. With no distinction between day and night. When evening comes, there will be light. Meaning, when the day comes where Jesus returns. They don't know if it's daytime or nighttime. Why? Because it is so bright in, across the entire globe. Jesus is coming back and everybody will know on earth. No secret. The day will be so bright. bright, bright. Verse 8 says, on that day. Living water will flow from Jerusalem, half to the Dead Sea and half to the west and to the Mediterranean Sea. Verse 9, the Lord will be the king over the whole earth. On that day, there will be one Lord and his name the only name. Verse 10, but Jerusalem will be raised up high, meaning with that earthquake, the city of Jerusalem will rise physically, that earthquake. And out of it will flow water. And that Jerusalem, it will remain in this place. It will be inhabited, a real place. People are going to live there and around there. Never again will it be destroyed. No, no human being will ever destroy this Jerusalem. Jerusalem 
will be secure. So when Jesus comes back the second time, he returns as a triumphant king. And when his feet touch the Mount of Olives, there's this massive earthquake. Jerusalem rises. Then Jesus with his mouth shouts. And just the shouting of whatever he says, it's like Paul, uh, John's trying to, it's like a sword coming from his mouth. And everyone is destroyed. Except the Antichrist and the prophet. And he grabbed those suckers and put them literally directly to hell, the lake of fire. The lake of fire. Oh, baby. The third event, look at chapter 20, verse 1. And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss, and holding in his hand a great chain. He seized the dragon, that ancient serpent who is the devil or Satan. So God's making very sure we all know who he's talking about. The ancient serpent who is the devil and Satan and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him, I love that, didn't take him. He threw him into the abyss and locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be set free for a short time. Verse 4, I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the, the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or its image. and had not received its mark on their forehead or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Parentheses, the rest of the dead, that's the unbelieving dead, did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them. But they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him a thousand years. Thank you for that one clap. That's awesome. Jesus is coming back to set up his kingdom. Here's the third event. Jesus sets up his thousand-year reign on earth. It's called the millennial reign, not, not just for millennials, okay? It's the, millennial means a thousand. For the thousand year reign of Christ, Jesus comes back as the king of kings, the lord of lords, the conquering hero. And, and this description of the thousand years is a general overview, 40,000 foot overview, because the Old Testament describes it in detail, incredible detail in Ezekiel and Isaiah is filled with descriptions of what, what is this kingdom going to be looking like. All human beings, all we've known is mankind has set up their reign, their throne, their law, their, their systems of government. And it has been one disaster after the next, leading to slavery and death and, and bondage and war after war. War after war after war. And Jesus, of all the 6,000 years of recorded human history, that's all mankind has experienced. And then Jesus goes, you've tried it your way. Now, for the next 1,000 years, I'm going to reign. I will be on the throne. He says he will reign with an iron scepter, meaning it is a firm reign. Not a mean reign, but as a, a real leader. All right? With... with 
with, he'll be reigning and leading with righteousness. Everything that should be right is right because Jesus is on the throne. Now let me explain to you some of the descriptions found in the Old Testament and a little bit here in Revelation to give you an overview of this thousand year reign of Christ. First of all is oh, Satan is bound to the abyss for a thousand years. He is chained up and thrown into the abyss. And it's locked and it's sealed. Satan cannot lie to a human being for a thousand years. He cannot deceive them. He can't twist God's word. He can't distort the scripture. He can't accuse the, the followers of Jesus and accuse them before God. His day is done for a thousand years. His mouth is sealed, so he can't lie from his, you know, his, his lying mouth, and he can't deceive, and he's just locked up for a thousand years. Now, another overview is that earth is renewed by Jesus. This earth has been pelted with judgment, the seven you know, seven seals and the seven trumpets we talked about and the seven bowls of judgment. And, there, and there's been meteors and there's been, you know, the third of the sea is turns into blood and, and all, all, you know, the things burn and, you know, the moon and the sun and all that. Jesus heals it. Earth is, is, comes alive again. It uh, doesn't describe how, but again, Jesus, Colossians says that Jesus is the creator. You know, and I, I take, I, I have no belief in, 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 in macro evolution. I believe God created it, Jesus spoke it, and it happened. Because I, I just think he has that much power, all right? And he doesn't, like, I, I need a thousand years for this to work. No, I just think, bam, it, you know, let there be light. Okay, there, someone turned the light on. You know, and the earth and the water and the animals and all that sort of stuff. So I believe by the, by the spoken word of Jesus, just like he can destroy all his enemy just by speaking, his word is powerful and he's, he gets, heals things, restores things. And Ezekiel talks about new mountains and rivers around the Jerusalem area. And the Jerusalem is the centerpiece of the millennial reign of Jesus in Isaiah, people will travel around the globe to go to Jerusalem to worship Jesus. Jesus will actually live in the temple in Jerusalem. And you can think that people that are alive that can go there and to worship him and see him and praise him. Ezekiel 34, even though Jesus is the king on his throne... He, he has, Ezekiel 34, mentions David, King David. He's called the prince of Jerusalem during the millennial. Like he gets to co-reign with Jesus. And these people are like, hey, you wrote Psalms. Hey, let me talk to you. Can you sign, can you sign this for me? You know, and, and David is going to rule as the prince of Jerusalem. Also, an overview is earth is inhabited by two groups of people. Some of you, I can read your mind like, well, who's going to be there? Two groups of people. Two groups, first of all, there's a group with glorified bodies and another group with earthly bodies. Glorified bodies are those believers in Jesus who have been, were killed or died or raptured. They get glorified bodies, meaning no more weight loss plan, no more exercise, you know, there's no more sickness, there's no more, you know, doctor's visits. I mean, it's glorified bodies forever and ever. I'm like, sign me up for that. Sign me up for that. 
and will be ruling and reigning with Jesus. Even Luke talks about, Jesus gives a little glimpse of that, is that some people will be over cities, some people are over ten cities, some people are over nations as believers. That's, that's, that's who's going to rule and reign with Jesus for a thousand years, those Christians with glorified bodies. But there's those with earthly bodies, meaning they survived the tri- tribulation. They were Gentile believers who were hiding out. They did not take the mark of the beast on their hand or their forehead because once you took it, you're saying, I'm, I'm aligning, my allegiance is with the Antichrist and with Satan himself. If they take the mark, they can never be a part of God's family. So you got Gentiles hiding. I mean, this earth is still a pretty big place. And they're feeding themselves and hiding but also the remnant of Jews who were hidden in Petra for three and a half years. I read one scholar saying, well, maybe maybe there's like 10,000 people that survived the tribulation. Well, they have earthly bodies, not glorified bodies. They have children. They have babies. They have the sin nature. But it's a kingdom where you really have to want to sin to sin. Because it's so good. And people will have perpetual health. Uh, Isaiah, it's a little confusing. And I, I've read and people are like, I, I think it's this, I'm not sure it's that. But what, what is clear is perpetual health. Isaiah even talks about there'll be few who die. And if they die at 100, I was like, man, that's, that's really young. That's really young. Like I'm approaching 60 and I'm like, that feels old. You know, but in the, in, the, in the millennial reign of Christ, people will live, some of them, a lot, most of them will live the entire thousand years. Just, just figure out, that's a lot of babies being born, <laughs> okay? There's a lot of babies being born. The earth will repopulate quickly. Another overview is this. This is so cool. The earth is finally at rest from war. Isaiah talks about they take all the weapons of war and they destroy them. They even turn their swords into, you know, plowshares. You know, basically just go back to farming. No more guns. No more bombs. No more weapons of warfare. Why? Because Jesus is on the throne. He's reigning with an iron scepter of righteousness. There is going to be no conflicts and wars. And in Isaiah, it talks about really joy to the world. And that's where the, the Christmas carol comes. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her what? King. Sorry to ruin your Christmas. That's not a Christmas song. It's a millennial song. Jesus came as a baby. But now he's reigning as king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature are going to sing. Why? Because Jesus is on the throne. Jesus on the throne. Then the last overview I'll talk about is the curse of animals is lifted. See, everything is cursed with sin. Everything is cursed. But even with animals, animals eating animals. That's what in Isaiah says that the, 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 the lamb will lie down with the lion and the wolf. And the lion is not going to eat fluffy, okay? I'm just telling you that right now. Why? Because now there's, the curse has been lifted with animals, between animals. Curse has been lifted between animals and human beings. It says in Isaiah that, that a child, an infant, will, will play near a cobra's nest. 
That means there's no freaking out mom going, oh, get away from that, get away from that. It's like, look, mom, it's my pet cobra. <laughs> Why? Because the curse has been lifted. Let me just tell you, remind you one more time. Maybe you haven't caught it. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. And his, his reign will be such, such a contrast to what all human beings have grown up with. A couple of weeks ago, about three weeks ago, we were in Virginia with our grandsons and, and uh, we allowed our daughter and her husband to get away for a few days. And, and uh, before we left, I took my three-year-old grandson, Landon, um, to, to Lowe's, all right, because every papa needs to take his grandson to Lowe's or, or Home Depot, right, amen? And so we're going out, and we're driving there, he loves music, I say, Landon, Landon, papa's got a new song for you, he loves music, and, and loves like really cool vibe music, and I go, listen, it's like, keep your head up, Jesus is coming back, Jesus is coming back, and I played it, and this little redhead in his car seat the whole time is like... You know, Jesus is coming back, Jesus is coming back. And we park, turn it off, we're walking, and there's this beautiful picture. He grabs my hand, and we're walking into Lowe's. And all of a sudden, he goes, Jesus is coming back, Jesus is coming back. Keep your head up, you know. And I'm like, yeah, as we get back in the car, he's like, Jesus is coming back? I Meaning, can you play the song again? We jammed out all the way home. We leave, we fly back here. He, we've been gone a couple of days. He, first day back to preschool. He's only there two days. He walks in on Wednesday, walks right up to his teacher, goes, teacher, Emily, Jesus is coming back. <laughs> I've asked Nash about a month ago. I said, we gotta, we, gotta, we gotta have this song. So I want you to sit there and enjoy it. Jesus is coming back. If your head wants to bob, it's okay. We're not a Baptist church anymore, okay? <laughs> it's all right, it's all right. And if you join in after a while, have some fun. Because Jesus is coming back. We know he's 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 coming back. You ever thought that the world has kind of lost its way? As it seems, yeah, I know it's gonna be okay, okay. It doesn't scare me, it's temporary. There's something better we got forever. And it won't be long, cause we know our help is on the way, the way. So keep your head up. Jesus is coming back, Jesus is coming back. No, don't you give up. No, no. 
people get ready, people get ready. Are you ready? Are you ready? People get ready, people get ready. Are you ready? Are you ready? People get ready. Yeah, let's get ready. Until he comes back, we gotta still be working. So we gotta be inviting our friends, all right? Uh, before we leave, a couple things. I wanna leave us with that song, but also two things is that next Sunday, we're gonna have tree lighting, all right? Tree lighting, all the information's on this online. It's on our website, on our events. And also, if you're new, if you've been new recently, you know, been checking us out for a while, if you have not been to a meet and greet, we have one today with coffee. And sweet donuts. You get to meet the pastors and staff. May God bless you. By the way, Jesus is coming back. Be ready. Have a good day.